This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon. We're so grateful that you tune in, but let's just take a moment right now. Mom, happy birthday. Mom turns 85 today. I'd like to honor my mother because without her, I wouldn't be here. So and she I'm deserves very a lot thankful of, for her as well. That's right, as you should be, because Mar- <laughs> Mom, all the work you did on me those first 18, 19 years, Martha's been working on fixing that for the last 33. <laughs> uh, but the two of you together have shaped my life. But Mom, without you, uh, like I said, I wouldn't be here, and I, I'm grateful for you. I love you, and I appreciate you, and I am thankful. So happy birthday, happy birthday. to Marie Brangenberg, my mom. You know, as Christ followers, fellowshipping usually means there's lots of food involved, but today we are in Dallas, Texas at the Outcomes Conference, courtesy of the Christian Leadership Alliance. Martha, as we've been on location all week long recording shows, let's tell people how they can connect with us so they can hear all of the shows we recorded here in Dallas. So, Jim, we um, put our podcast, after we have broadcast all the shows, they are podcast and put on basically all of the major platforms. So iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Faith Play. Tune in. Overcast, um, iHeartRadio. It's out there. So if they just look for- Spotify? I did not. Spotify. Good job. Way to remember that. You're so with it. So iWorkForHim.com, all one word, iWork, the number four, him, is where you can um, find us on all those podcast platforms. Subscribe. We want it to be convenient for you. So when you have a chance to listen, whether you're driving in a car, exercising, hiking a mountain, whatever you might be doing, that gives you the opportunity. I like to listen to podcasts when I'm in the kitchen. Um, That is a good time for me to just catch up on some of the learning. Um, And so we are out there and we want to be available for people. So go ahead and get subscribed and listen to some of these shows. So as part of the the Outcomes Conference, uh, the leadership at the Christian Leadership Alliance has said, Tammy Heim, she said, Jim and Martha, come out here and capture some of the great stories of people who are attending, people who are speaking, people who are leading conversations. And so today we have the privilege of talking with Dr. Teresa Moon. She's got a doctorate in strategic leadership. We've already told her ahead of time she's not allowed to use five-syllable words because the hosts of the show won't understand what those (laughs) words are. But she's got to focus on building multi-generational teams, which is really important because we've got multi-generational teams both inside the Four Walls Church, outside the Four Walls Church, in organizations everywhere. But also, she's got to focus on refreshing organizational culture. And man, are there some cultures out there that could use some refreshing. In fact, I was at a local gap. Okay, I won't go where I was. Okay. But she also writes a blog. And I, I, to be honest with you, Dr. Moon, I wasn't sure. I, I didn't pay attention to what the website was. So we're going to have to get that from me in a second. But we would love, we're going to have a conversation today about developing the next generation of communicators who are equipped to defend their faith and live it out vibrantly in their workplace. Dr. Teresa Moon, welcome to I Work For Him. Hi, thank you for having me. So your website, I want to make sure we're plugging your website throughout the show. What's your main website you want to drive people to? ICCINC.org. I-C-C-I-N-C. Dot O-R-G. Is it, did I get that right? You got it. ICCinc.org. Yes. Okay. Wow. That's pretty cool. I-C-C-I-N-C. Institute of Cultural Communicators. Institute for Cultural Communicators. It's a mouthful, so it ICC is. works yes. well. ICCinc.org. That's more fun to say. All right. Dr. Teresa <laughs> Moon, we always ask this question of every first time guest on I Work For Him. How did you become a Jesus follower? Yes, I love that question. And I don't get to talk about it often enough. So thank you. Mm -hmm. I was so blessed to be raised in a Christian home. 
in a Bible-believing, praying-together family with Christian parents and a wonderful, wonderful church community. And I think for me, that gave me the foundation to know what's possible and to want that for more of the next generations today. So I came to faith in Jesus with my parents' guidance at a very, very young age and continued to grow throughout my life. So on I Work For Him, we're talking about the integration of our work and our faith. And um, we talked a little bit off air about this, but um, how was there a point in time in your life where you all of a sudden went, oh, my faith is a part of every day. It's a part of all of my life. It should be a part of my work. Or did it, had that always made sense to you? Yes. Well, again, I think it made sense to me at an early age because I watched my father I watched him move into his own business. I watched him as a man of integrity. I watched him as a leader in the church. I watched him handle challenge and difficulty and trial and listen to people who who had unhealthy solutions and destructive behavior patterns. And I watched him walk it out with grace and integrity. Okay. So, so you, he was living it out even in his work in Every his own day. business. So your dad yes. grew up running. So you grew up with your dad having his own business. What was that business? So he had a, a business in concrete and rock. So I got my start bagging An aggregate rock. company. Very good. Literally, right. you were bagging. Literally rock. bagging rock. He said, "You're going to learn how to work." Well, but Very there's good. nothing wrong with that, was there? Nope. I mean, no. you really learned to appreciate work then, and that paycheck every time you I, got it. And as a matter of fact, as a teen. Uh, as teens can be. As a teen, one day I asked my dad for a raise. And How'd that go? He said, if you can't do the job, I'll hire someone who will. So uh, he definitely was committed to teaching us to be, um, to be hard workers, to mm-hmm. be people who had a good work ethic, to be people who uh, followed through on a task, took responsibility, took it seriously, and worked with excellence. And for him, that was distinctly tied to his faith. He was a man of his word, but he also wanted an excellent work product. Mm. <laughs> I love that. So you, do you have brothers? I do have a brother. But, they, but he, they didn't, he didn't have to defend you when there's some boys coming around calling, because if you've been bagging rock, the boys were afraid <laughs> of you because you, you had pipes on you. Because <laughs> you can't bag rock without having pipes on you. There's that, no question. Once upon a time. <laughs> well, it was a good that was the case for all of us, wasn't it? <laughs> so talk to us about your connection to the Christian Leadership Alliance. How has being involved in the Christian Leadership Alliance impacted you personally, spiritually? Yes. So, uh, well, the way I came to the Christian Leadership Alliance is a colleague of mine, which this so often happens, right? I was sort of head down on my own projects. And Mary, my chief influence officer, came. And the second year she came, she said, you have to come next year. And I said, yeah, that's, that's great. That's a great idea. I'll think about it. No, you really have to come next year. That's a great idea, Mary. I'll think about it. So she has uh, the perfect personality for nudging me. Mm -hmm. And God has used her many times. And I'm so grateful. Nudging, another word for driving you crazy. She, she continued nudging until I, uh, I uh, came along with her. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience for me. So the first year, that I attended uh, this conference. I was in the CEO forum and on a break, uh, I, uh, I had been experiencing a, a challenge in my, in my family life with my husband's health. And that was really uh, a, a dark time for me. And uh, so on the break in the CEO forum, a Christian leader in the Alliance turned, turned around, stood up, looked at me and said, 
you're the battle buddy God is providing for me, which was a very bold thing for her to say and a vulnerable moment for both of us. But as I looked at her, I just knew this is God's provision. And from that time forward, we have met weekly for prayer to talk about what God's doing in our ministries, on our teams, in our families, in our lives to uh, bolster one another, to hold one another up. And from then on, it has just continued to be a wonderful journey for me. You wrote about that time of your life in a recent blog, I'm Not Stressed. Your husband was sick. Your mother-in-law, I believe, had died. You were getting your doctorate. Do I have that right? There, there, was, some, there was some significant issues going on all at one time, and you're trying to get a doctorate, and you got two teenage boys at the same time. The, the, that's some stress. And yet, as a woman, you're trying to figure out how to be perfect at all of those things at one time, weren't you? Mm-hmm. I was. Yes. Yes. I, um, I, I somehow thought that I could do more than the body is made to do. And I think that is that I'm not alone there. Mm-hmm. No, you I are think not. A, a lot of women, a lot of people think that. But a and lot of wi- lot more women think that. I think as women, we think we're supposed to somehow fix it for lots of people at one time, which uh, which certainly coming back to the integration of faith and work is is a really skewed interpretation of how God set it up to work. How did that work for you, trying to handle all that at once, thinking you could handle it all? Well, you, you read the blog. I did. I landed in the hospital, so I wasn't doing it very well. And, uh, and when the doctor said to me, uh, you know, there must be a lot going on for you because you're pretty sick. Uh, are you stressed? And I remember looking at him <laughs> saying, I don't think so. And that's just how uh, distorted my reality Deluded had is become. another word we use deluded. for that. Deluded. <laughs> deluded. It was diluted. So I wasn't doing it very well. And I, I definitely needed some better practices in place. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to hear lots more from Dr. Teresa Moon. And she shares lots more about what she's doing at the Institute for Cultural Communicators. You can find them online, I-C-C-I-N-C-I-C-C-Inc.org. So, um, Teresa, we were just talking about your blog, and I just wanted to wrap that up a little bit because I think for a lot of people, it's like, okay, so you you found out that you were stressed, somewhat delusional, maybe about how much you were carrying. How did that, what did you do with that as you were laying there in the hospital and realizing that you had taxed yourself so much? Mm -hmm. Well... Uh, sadly, Martha, it's a great question, mm-hmm. uh, especially given what I'm doing here at CLA this week, where I'm talking with women about rest. I thought that I could get well and just work harder. That's really what I thought at that in that season of my life. And God wasn't finished teaching me that mm-hmm. he has a much bigger, better plan for how we seek him and how we rest in him and how we rely on his promises and how God really is the only restorer of the soul. Mm. And instead of my working harder to line out my life and line out everybody else and get it all to work just right, what he wanted was for me to stop and spend time with him as he imparted to me what it was that my priorities ought to be. And, and we're going to learn about what those priorities are going to be or have become because, my goodness, when you were telling me before the show just a little bit about what your organization does, it has, it has blossomed and it's doing so many things in so many places. So um, I'm interested to hear how that all plays out. And of course, this, in, this con- conversation, this interview being made possible by the Christian Leadership Alliance. Check mm-hmm. them out online, christianleadershipalliance.org. Teresa, let's just talk. Let's get even more personal. I mean, you just shared about a really dark time, but there's 
let's talk about what you do on a day-to-day basis because it's your business tree every day. You've got a business tree called the Institute for wow, ICC. The Institute for Christian Communicators. Cultural. Cultural Christian Cultural Communicators. <laughs> We're going to make up ICCC. a new name for your organization. Okay, sorry. You, you aren't the only people to make I up a new right name. I have it right here in it's written. I have it written down in front of me. I couldn't find it. Institute for Cultural Communicators. I apologize. Talk to me about the the what do you see? How does your job as the founder and the CEO of the Institute for Cultural Communicators, how does that give you a unique vantage point into the brokenness of the world we live in today? Yes. Oh, yes. So uh, to begin with, I work with people and people are broken and even people in the church, certainly people in our communities and certainly people in the world. So our vision is an expanding global community, empowering next generation Christians to influence today's culture, which means we get opportunities to help young people learn to communicate ideas winsomely in a way that influences culture for Christ. So let's talk about that. You have a lot of little um, parts of that that I think are really key. And one of them, you said mixed generations, right? Yes. So why is that such a key component of what you do? Yes. So we have more generations in the workplace today than we've ever had in human history in the West. We live life very differently. So something that we learn in the research in looking into generations and uh, how they're wired, each generation has sort of a personality you know, its own characteristics, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, we sort of want, we're sort of wired as humans to want everybody to do it like us. And so we talked, you know, earlier about boomers and Gen Xers, and we kind of want things our way, and we kind of got used to doing them the company way or by the book or whatever we thought that was or, or, or our own way, but everybody went along. And now we're followed by generations who have looked at some of that, and they have new ideas, and they have new ways to do things. And they ask a lot of questions. And uh, they need a lot of guidance. So in our organization, what we've done is we've established uh, a distinctly mentoring culture. So our young people serve on, and, our, and I mean, our, our people serve on multi-generational teams frequently in real time. So it's interesting because I speak about this topic a lot. And I was here a couple of years ago and I spoke about this topic of intergenerational teams. And I got a phone call when I got home from someone who uh, runs a nonprofit in Alabama. And she said, our board would like you to come and help us fix this intergenerational thing. (laughs) Well, as we continued talking, what the board wanted me to do was come fix the millennials. That's what they wanted. They wanted the millennials to straighten up. That is often the case right now. Yeah, they wanted the millennials to straighten up. So what we found is it's, it's a systemic issue. It requires a systemic solution. And so we want everybody to come to the table. We want everybody to have a give and take. We want everybody to learn. So one of the, um, one of the papers I published, you mentioned um, a doctorate and some writing. One of the papers I published is a mentoring model. So in our organization, we've established a distinctly mentoring culture intentionally, and we look for three kinds of mentoring relationships. Wise guides, the people who've gone before us, Mm. know a little more, are much more experienced that we can learn from, and we teach youth to look for wise guides. We teach adults they are wise guides. We look for side guides. That's the peer mentor. Everyone has a peer mentor, and everyone is a peer mentor. And we look for those relationships, and we look for healthy relationships. And then we look for 
the surprise guide. That's the one that Jack Welch popularized as the reverse mentor in uh, General Electric. Mm -hmm. And so the reverse mentor, the surprise guide, that's the one who's younger. My interns are here with me today. And they speak into our lives about things that we're still becoming familiar with. In my case, technology would be one of those. Mm -hmm. But that also opens a communication, two-way communication channel, and I get the opportunity to speak into their lives in turn. So three mentoring relationships, wise guides, side guides, surprise guides. And we found that when those are part of a culture, then we have a culture where everybody knows I have something to learn and I have value to bring. And that whole idea of mentoring, I mean, there have been many books written by millennials going, hey, this is what we want from the generation, the next generation. We want to be mentored, but we don't want a weekly mm-hmm. Bible study. We want somebody that we can run alongside. We want somebody mm-hmm. that can live life alongside. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're screaming for it. Mm-hmm. And as a, a whole body of Christ outside of the four walls of the church and inside the four walls of the church, we're falling on our faces on this thing. We are, Jim, because... Uh, I'll just speak for myself, but I'm part of the boomer generation, and we're a little too busy for that life-on-life thing. We want to throw some good ideas at you, and I hope you're going to do it. And that isn't that isn't what mentoring is. That isn't how Christ modeled it. That isn't what the early church did. That isn't that isn't what anything we know that works looks like. So we need to uh, figure out how we can reduce some of the clutter and some of the sideways energy and come back to living life with real people and loving them where they are. So circling back to the conversation with this board of directors that wanted to, you know, their mm-hmm. their thoughts were, let's fix the millennials. What was your suggestion <laughs> to them then to, to rather have this kind that, of a conversation? I'm thinking that should be the title of your next book, Fix the Millennials. <laughs> it would be a bestseller because people would just go... There it is. There's the answer. Yes. And there would be a total lot. It would be a total trick inside. Fix yourself. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Maybe that's. I'm willing to let you have that idea. Okay. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll give you credit, Jim. Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did make some recommendations about uh, sort of an immersive, you know, uh, consulting program that we could do where we could come and we could share some ideas around this. The board felt like they had about two hours to mm. fix the millennials. And, oh, they did. And so we found that uh, it maybe wasn't quite the right time for them. Yes. But you know, I, and, and that's um, wait, wait, wait. more you often can, than you, not. She's being so sweet. She is. And that's what, why I'm moving on. Jim. No, because this is, but this, you talk about systemic issues, boards that think they can fix a problem like fixing the millennials in two hours. Mm-hmm. That, that is, everywhere mm-hmm. and it is and it is really a big issue in christian nonprofits. it is so i mean mm-hmm. this is something that needs to be delved into a little bit deeper because first of all fixing the millennials isn't the solution how about everybody getting their eyes on jesus what has he got to say about this that would be the solution mm-hmm. selfless leadership there's a solution how about jesus had i mean his disciples most of them were teenagers most mm-hmm. of them were teenagers mm-hmm. so and they changed the world so mm-hmm. you know jesus was out so did you get to have any real blunt words with that board and tell them that they're just full of garbage and they need a two <laughs> by four upside the head that they that you can't fix stupid in two hours and you guys are like running the gamut on stupid i mean what did you say to them i said when you uh value um this issue more call me back mm. 
So you were sweet. Okay. See, I, well, that's why but I, would, I think they, never do your they job. probably got the message, though, that mm-hmm. what they were looking for wow. wasn't really the answer. And I was just going to add, I really wasn't going to move on. What I was going to say is that, you know, we're all guilty of this. Mm-hmm. Um, within the Four Walls Church, we do, we do mm-hmm. small groups by age. Mm-hmm. How in the world are the generations going to get to know each other and, and feed into each other? And I loved your three, um, the model of mentoring, wise guides, side guides, and surprise guides. It makes t- it's self-explanatory, but mm-hmm. we need that in our life. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're huge proponents of that. We, mm-hmm. we think that we all have segmented so much that we don't even have a relationship to start with with mm-hmm. anyone of a different uh, generation. All right, when we come back, we will actually let Dr. Teresa Moon respond to some of that re- <laughs> radical comments that I made. But we're having some fun today talking with Dr. Teresa Moon about really how do we bring about generational reconciliation? How do we recognize the value in the next generations? And how do we develop the next generation of communicators who are equipped to defend their faith and live out their faith in their work? That's what Dr. Teresa Moon does each and every day. Teresa, you know, if I said anything I need to apologize for, you know, on the air, I'm happy to do so. But you hit a soft spot for me that is a no way. really sore spot. We couldn't spot. tell. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm just I'm just sick of Jesus followers not leading the way in, mm-hmm. in the solutions to these conversations. Yes. Mm-hmm. True. And so uh, our heartbeat of the organization is that we are empowering next generation Christians to influence today's culture. And that's key for us because it's not someday. We spend a lot of time investing in generations coming behind us, things that will be good for you someday. You'll thank me for this someday, right? Mm. This will help you someday. And we want them to know what it feels like to be influencers today. We know we want them to experience uh, talking about issues that matter in ways that draw people to them. You know, Jesus, Jesus liked people who wasn't like him people who weren't like him liked him. It's very possible for us to influence our communities and our cultures in very winsome ways where Mm. people will want to know us more and will want to know more about what makes us work. So what are you doing to help them do it today? Like, I mean, how, what does that look like? Because I, I see where you're, what you're saying is like, we're always talking about preparing and, you know, getting ready and, but what is it that they're, how are you helping them do it today? What kinds of things? Right. So one small piece is we put youth on between 10 and 15,000 platforms a year in their communities. So this is out in, this isn't inside our organization. Mm -hmm. This is out in the city, in community organizations, in libraries and schools and coffee shops and in churches, but out, out in the community, veterans homes, um, you know, moving beyond. And of course we're in an international organization. So in other countries, they, they're out in their own communities as well. So we're helping youth recognize that uh, you have a message to share and it matters Mm -hmm. but there are lots of things there are lots of things you're going to talk about in your life in the workplace we don't only talk about our faith but our faith colors everything we talk about Mm. and so how can you talk about these issues in a way that distinctly sets you apart that draws people to you so they want to know more so that's one example Compelling. You're talking about a compelling lifestyle. We are. That there's something so compelling about the way it's being lived out. People go, like, I want to know why. Tell me mm-hmm. what drives that inside of you. Yes. Yes, that's right. And and we, as I was mentioning before, we like to establish healthy communities 
so that our youth grow up knowing what it's like to live in a healthy community, to come back to a healthy community, to have people who will support them, who will hold them accountable, who will, who will tell them, you know, there might be another way to say that next time. Uh, this isn't going to be so helpful or don't hold back. You have something to share and now's the time for you to speak up. So are you just wondering what she's thinking right now about your style of communicating, Jim? <laughs> I was thinking in my head, is this what you call winsome? I'm not sure. Because well, no, I have never been accused of being full of grace, mercy, or winsomeness ever. I, that's just not who I am. But that's why God created us all differently. Oh, for sure. And people are going to be more apt to not get defensive to Dr. Teresa Moon's style as opposed to my style when I just tell people, you're being stupid. Let's stop being stupid. Jesus called out stupid. There he were did. I mean, but Jesus had the ability to speak mm-hmm. in all love languages, and he called out stupid when he saw it. He sure did. So let's just talk about some. Take a kid, for, and one kid, for example, that you've that somebody that they said, please invest in me so that I can invest, I can make an impact on my community. Talk to us about, just give us one case study. You don't give us a name, but just give us a case study. Somebody that you've been working with that now is making an impact where they go. Sure. So one of my very first interns, so this is 22 years for us, but someone that comes to mind right away when you talk about this is one of my very first interns who was incredibly shy. She was a teenager. Uh, most, most students come to us in school age, mm-hmm. the school age years. Her, uh, her parents brought her to me and she was so not interested, right? And uh, we didn't have all the cool kids to kind of draw her that we do today either. So we have a lot of cool teenagers today that make it fun for kids. We got a couple of them in the studio audience today. We sure do. Some very cool kids. So, uh, but her name is Janae. She was very, 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 very shy. We worked and 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 uh, came to the place where Janae became quite uh, a poised young platform communicator with a real empathy for people. Uh, When she was a junior in high school, Janae interned with me, like these gals are, and we were teaching a group of uh, Christian school teachers. So we were helping them to think about how can you integrate communication education into your curriculum so that young people don't just gain the ideas, but they know how to talk about what they've learned. So in the course of her uh, communicating, it was a large room. I want to say there were 125 teachers in the room. And this is one little junior in high school girl, right? She's standing at her lectern and she uses an example. And in the use of the metaphor, she says the, the frozen dessert sherbet, only she pronounces it sherbert. And a communications coach, adult teacher, stands up in the middle of the audience and says, you should not say that. You need to pronounce your words correctly if you're going to be a good communicator. My little high school sweet Janae, who had been so shy and run away from people in the past, stood there at the lectern, let the woman have her rant, and it was a rant. I mean, she went on, I know, it's spelled S-H-E-R-B-E-T. I've had arguments with my husband in the frozen food section about this, and I thought, yeah, I bet you have. I mean, I wanted her to leave. Mm -hmm. And my little Janae picked up her pen, wrote a note, put it down, stood and looked at the audience and said, I want to thank you for correcting me. Because when we are communicating for Christ, it matters how we communicate. And she went on with her talk. And I have never forgotten that moment because I thought that is the kind of transformation we're looking for. She didn't go from shy to in your face. And there's a place for that. 
there's absolutely a place for that to your point, Jim. But she went from shy to winsome. Mm. And I promise you, those teachers, they were lined up to find out more about her training, about uh, what what she was going to do with her life. She's now a pastor's wife. They've adopted children from other countries. She's doing wonderful, wonderful work. But this was part of the foundation of her being able to communicate her faith um, with people in places and with people who uh, would oppose her. Mm, that's so powerful. So we are talking with Dr. Teresa Moon, and she is the founder of the Institute for Cultural Communicators. And you can find out more about this organization at iccinc.org. And one of the, we are here courtesy of the uh, Christian Leadership Alliance and at the Outcomes Conference that they do annually. And um, I just want to maybe highlight right now what it is that you're you're actively participating this year in the Outcomes Conference. Um, just let people know where, what you're doing. Yes, this Thursday? Yeah. So this Thursday, I am privileged to have been invited to facilitate an experience in rest and renewal for women in Christian leadership, Christian women in leadership. And I am so excited about it. You know, it started... Um, the, talking a little bit about a time when I was very stressed mm -hmm. and other dark times in my life. And uh, I'm still on the journey. I'm still on the way. So there are lots of speakers here to tell you how to do it right. I am here to give you hope. But I am uh, so encouraged by what is in the research, by the case studies that we have, by the experiences we've seen, and by the transformation I've seen on my own team in my own organization to be able to share some of what we've been learning. Excellent. And, you know, there is such a um, need for focus, um, both for all of the leaders of organizations, but um, when you break it out for women specifically yes. and men specifically, there's different needs that need to be met. And I'm excited that that's being acknowledged and that there's an opportunity for, because women, we have this, you know, Jim often refers to it as the, the, you know, the superwoman, you yes. know, kind of Wonder Woman idea that we, for some reason, we have this belief that we need to wear all these hats and do all of them incredibly well and never let anything down. And, and, um, and this whole idea of rest and renewal, um, yes. you know, we always just think of it as a theory, but yes. actually <laughs> experiencing it is a whole other thing. How so. many women yes. do you know practice rest and renewal? Yeah, it's that someday instead of now, you know, in that conversation, well, is we it say, really needs to be now. We do. We say someday and it does need to be now because that's what Jesus said. Come to me, all you who are weary, mm -hmm. and I will give you rest. And, and he meant real rest in real time. He didn't mean someday somewhere. He meant now. And, and the only restorer of the soul is Jesus. So we need that, we need to be reminded of that, and we need some very practical ways to execute it in today's life. So Amen. what are some of those practical ways? Yeah, so we're going to share those on Thursday. But our but listeners aren't going to get a chance to be there, that's so why don't you right. just give a, just a Cliff Notes version. A few hints, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so, uh, so I'll just give you one real practical way, Jim, and that is uh, breathing. And this is, uh, it sounds like such an ordinary thing. But when my son was 16 years old, I was hearing something in his voice. He's a big boy. And I was hearing something I couldn't put my finger on. And I coached a lot of kids already. And so I hired a voice coach who came. His name's Dr. Ralph Hillman. He has the breathe system. And what I learned out of that experience has been uh, phenomenal and, and life-changing for lots of people. Br simply deep breathing for as little as three minutes can change our ability to function uh, 
to cognitively function at peak performance for up to five or six hours, to make better decisions, to have more clarity, to, uh, to handle stressful situations around us differently. But we also have watched breathing curb uh, violent behavior, you know, improve grades for students, um, heal anxiety, get people off medications and for depression. Breathing has made a huge difference, but it takes stopping mm -hmm. and focusing on your breathing for even a few minutes. So that's one very practical, very small tip, and we'll have more in the blog. And we all got to breathe. So I mean, th do. you're talking about May the practical well do it stuff. Right. But, and that was one of those things when I was in the hospital donating my kidney, they taught me how to breathe deep. Yes. as a relaxation thing and to make sure that my lungs were getting utilized when I was laying. I mean, yes. And I have been able to utilize that. I haven't told you that, Martha, but I've been practicing because it really does help you relax. I don't want the clear thinking. I don't know. It might yes. take more than <laughs> deep breathing for me. But, <laughs> um, now, winsomeness. You talked to Dr. Teresa Moon that, that winsomeness is something that you have seen God develop in the students that you work with. And that's a powerful tool, something I guess I need to work on between now and the end of my life. But you do so much more with students be, be, mm -hmm. beyond developing winsomeness. Yeah, so why don't you share with us what the mission of your organization is so people can get a better uh, grasp of what that is. Yes, so we like to say we help ordinary students become extraordinary leaders. And we believe God's place the extraordinary there. So we're not the ones that make it extraordinary, but we definitely know how to design experiences that lead you on a path toward becoming an extraordinary influencer for Christ. Mm. And you know, we've heard, we've, I think we've all seen a movie at one point or another in our life um, where somebody, they had it within them, but they were, they were shy. They hadn't developed mm -hmm. skills. They didn't even know that they had a passion for something. So you're helping them to pull that out so that they can become the excellent leader that, that God designed them to be? We are. So what's your favorite movie of a kid that gets done like that? Do you have a, do you have a favorite movie that, that demonstrates that? Put it on the spot. I know that. I was. I like, came I was, up with Karate Kid. When you said that, I'm like, oh, Karate Kid. Karate Kid's a great one. That it is, is a, a great good one. one. Wax on, wax off. That's yeah. a great choice. That yeah. was uh, just the first one that came to my mind. Mm -hmm. See, I was thinking Princess Diary, but you know. That works too. <laughs> there does. you go. It's all girls and boys, you know. That was enjoyable. They, they all work. Well, they do. Uh, we are royalty and yes. we do forget that. Yeah. And, and you know, God, um, often we are not just in, in environments where we know how to draw that out of ourselves or that it's even there and that it's hidden. So how do people engage with you? I mean, what it, you have, you said that on an annual basis, you're helping 10 to 15,000 students get on stages. Like how, what is, I mean, what does that really look like? Are they all coming to you and in a meeting room or what, it, how is it happening? Right, sure. So our, uh, our students, our school age students are on 10 to 15,000 platforms. Mm -hmm. So okay. uh, some of them are on many, many, many sure. uh, in the community, in their communities today. And so the way that looks is uh, we've got really three ways that people access the empowerment experiences that ICC offers. One is curriculum. They can simply purchase curriculum and walk their own children or groups of children. We recommend groups through public speaking. We begin with public speaking. We find it's sort of the boot camp. It's sort of the equalizer. Uh, 
Every kid either has a gift of gab or they're very shy. And both of those are very self-focused. So we begin at that point. We Mm -hmm. begin working there. You have a message. God gave us communication. It's a gift. We need to use it for his glory. From there, we have opportunities for students to be involved in our local communities that we call chapters of the organization. And we have chapters in several countries right now, most, most of them in the United States, since that's where we started. And students get into the local community, and that's where they learn about a mentoring culture. That's where they're mentored toward leadership. They're mentored even at very young ages to recognize. We have uh, local leadership roles for 13 and 14-year-olds because they've got six and eight-year-olds following them. Mm -hmm. Sure. So they begin to recognize leadership and followership and that the first step in becoming a good leader is being a good follower. And then we have uh, live events. So we have the immersive training programs that happen in live events, and we've conducted those in several countries as well now. Give us another example of a student that came to you or were drugged there by their parents uh, and and today is serving our country, maybe in a leadership position. Because I'm sure you've had to get into 22 years. You've got to have some kids that have risen up that maybe are serving our country, whether in in military leadership or maybe even in serving in, in, in a political position. Oh, there are so many wonderful examples. The first one that comes to mind is Bill. Billy was an intern with me, and uh, he had some trouble when he was an intern. He actually kind of lost track of where the boundaries were, and he had to step away and start over. And the process of walking out reconciliation and restoration and him learning how to follow well and then move back into leadership uh, was fantastic. And he is now serving our United States military as a Marine. He has um, been um, promoted on an accelerated scale because of both his character and his competence. Another young man that comes to mind is named Josh. Josh uh, came from Colorado. He came to me when he was 14. And Josh was that kid who was uh, very well educated, very smart, uh, got great grades, high test scores, and was always right. And Josh's parents said, we think you need a little more. We think you need a little refining here. So he was already well-spoken. He needed some of that winsomeness. Fast forward, Josh called me from college, his sophomore year in college, uh, before, before I had finished the doctorate. He, he called and he said, um, he is in school, I was in school. He says, Mrs. Moon, uh, I'm going to be speaking at the United Nations next week, and I just wanted your counsel. Now, high schoolers participate in a model United Nations. This is the United Nations. Wow. So uh, we talked a little bit about it, but... Um, During that event and post that event, as Josh and I talked about that, he said, you know, I had to learn that I can't just show up and say what I think. And at the United Nations, they don't care if you show up and say the Bible says. So what I had to do is I had to speak their language. I had to talk about biblical truths in a way that they could hear it. We're talking very much about what Paul set the example for, right, in his writings. And so um, Josh went on to graduate top of his class at Harvard law school. He's a practicing attorney now in Colorado. Wonderful, wonderful young man. But um, those stories are uh, are so good to remember because there, there now are so many of them. Mm-hmm. We now have young people who learned what it's like to be uh, in real time, communicate real issues with real people in community, in relationships, in ways that it matters. So when they went on to just the next conversation, for, for Josh, it really was just the next conversation. For Bill, it really was just the next post. <laughs> That's very, very cool. And your impact in those generations, do you think you've raised up or influenced the next presidential candidate? I mean, do you got one in your pipeline there? 
<laughs> I, I can think of several that okay. would be amazing candidates. There you go. I just just saying. Okay. So you were telling us that um, you also you believe in training um, students intergenerationally, but also interculturally. Let's talk about that. Oh yes, yes, that is some of the most fun work we do. So we have uh, as students move through our curriculum, we have a combination of theory and practice. So you study it and you do it. You study it and you do it. You do it and you study it. You're mentored all along the way. So uh, when we put them in these leadership roles, they practice what it's like to lead, and those spheres of influence just continue to grow. So as they're in high school, we have students on area student leadership teams, which means there are several states or a region uh, that they're working with mm -hmm. other student leaders with. And then we have students on global student leader teams. And on the global student leader teams, they are collaborating in real time about real organizational issues. So think about a board or an advisory council to an organization, a large organization. So they serve on these, but they don't just advise. They produce uh, events. They refine curriculum. They uh, they generate uh, vision, you know, project forecast. They forecast vision projects. They um, they produce media in real time, collaboratively across the globe. And one of the things that's so beautiful about that is when I look at how these teams collaborate to create something meaningful. I watch them build consensus. I watch them problem solve and I watch them do it across cultural boundaries. They're not afraid of people who claim to love Jesus and do it differently. Mm. So, what a great valuable yeah, lesson absolutely. to learn, especially at a young age. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's so much I'd love to be able to talk to you about. We're running out of time. You, all of this, you're, you're teaching kids how to be impactful. I mean, young kids, these kids are now adults and, and, and functioning in part of the society, but you're teaching them to be really, I love the being tactical with their words and to be winsome, as you've used that term many times. All of this is driven by your faith, though. I mean, all, I mean, this is this is really an organization that's driven by your faith in Christ, and you're investing in these kids. Are all the kids you work with, are they all Jesus followers? That's a great question. Uh, I would have to say no. Um, not because I know everyone's personal faith. That's a growing organization. I don't know every every child now. But I do know that um, when you touch this many people, there are a number who come and they just don't really know what they believe. So what I do know is they know what it's like to be in real Christian community. They know what it's like to be around people who really care about them. You know, Fuller Youth Seminary did some research and told us it takes five invested adults for a young person to walk out their faith when they leave home. Hmm. And our young people routinely tell us they had five or 10 invested adults in their lives. That is so countercultural and so uncommon and such an incredibly transformational work to get to be part of. Oh, that's great. And that I love because you're not just invest, you're investing in future Christians. You're investing in, you're, they're getting exposed to what is it like to hang out with Jesus followers. Many of these kids don't get exposed yes. to church even. So that's right. fantastic. Dr. Teresa Moon, we're out of time, but thank you for sharing your story today. Thanks for having me. Check her out online, iccinc.org. That's the Institute for Cultural Communicators, iccinc.org. And of course, all of this made possible because of the Christian Leadership Alliance. Check them out online, christianleadershipalliance.org. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.